0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: If you have your Bibles this evening, I want you to join me in the book of Galatians. And we're going to continue in the fifth chapter. A few weeks ago, started a, a series again on the fruit of the spirit and I say again unapologetically because the fruit of the spirit is just such a neat study it's a wonderful thing as a matter of fact I've been stopped more than once in the aisle by members of our church that just said I I really enjoy the fruit of the spirit thank you for thank you for revisiting that again and so this evening we will just take our text from the 22nd and the 23rd verse of Galatians 5 And uh, we'll just ask the Lord to touch our hearts together this evening. Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And this evening I want to talk to you uh, from the subject of peace. The Scripture refers to the Holy Ghost as peace that passes understanding. And if you have been serving the Lord very long, if you have been serving the Lord long enough to walk through some desperate places, you understand that scripture that passes understanding. That's not to say we don't have moments where we fall apart, but there have been seasons when I almost felt guilty that I wasn't more distraught than I was. Amen, because we equate nervousness with you know good stuff, and uh, and I felt that hand of the Lord that was just kind of sustaining me, and I felt that peace that was passing understanding. Amen. You may be seated, and let's just talk about this for a little while this evening. In his book entitled The Fruit of Peace, Glenn Pease made the following statement. He said much, if not most, of social of the social turmoil of our culture is due in large part to the hunger for peace which is sought for in all the wrong places a great hunger for peace but people are looking in all the wrong places i read an alarming statistic this afternoon and i want to share with you concerning the the spirit or the spirit of the attitude of peace according to ronald hutchcraft the director of youth for christ in new york and new jersey He writes that in the next 30 minutes, in the next 30 minutes in America, 57 children will run away, 29 children will attempt suicide, 22 girls under the age of 19 will receive an abortion, 14 teenage girls will give birth to an illegitimate baby, and 685 teens will use some form of narcotics in the next 30 minutes. So before we leave here this evening, all of this will have unfolded, if not more. And so the tragic statistics reveal to us that we are a nation that is in a perpetual war, this selfish cycle that seems unending. Undeniably, the world that we live in is at war. And sadly, it is made up of people that are at war. I I don't want to bore you with statistics, but I I just do want to share one more with you. And, And when I share this, I want you to bear in mind that what I'm about to share are statistics that are 25 years old. And so if we can just imagine how much the world has changed in 25 years. What I'm going to share is startling enough. But to think that what we're talking about is a quarter of a century old is even more alarming. In the June 19th, 1992 issue of uh, of today today in the Word, there was the following excerpt: A group of academics and historians has compiled this information. Since 3600 BC, the world has has known only 292 years of peace, and so if we do the math, that is less than one percent. In less than 1% of the last of all of those years. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small. In these wars, 3.64 billion people have been killed. The value of property destroyed in these wars would equal to a golden ban around the world, 97.2 miles wide. And 33 feet thick. If you can just imagine that. Amen. That's how much money has, that's how many lives have been lost. That's the net worth of how much money has been spent. And so it's very safe to say that we are not only a nation, but a world that is in search of and in need of peace. Basically, people at war are at war in three areas of their lives. They're in war with God. They're at war with themselves and they are at war with one another. But God never intended for us to be at war. Amen. He never intended for us to be, uh, to, to suffer and to have the anxieties that we deal with on a daily basis. And I'm just going to be very blunt this evening. It doesn't matter how full of the Holy Ghost we are, we're not exempt from what I'm talking about this evening. God never intended that. John 16 and 33, the Bible says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, he said, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In him there is that peace that we are seeking for and searching for. I, I am very demonstrative by nature. That's not an informative statement to anyone sitting here. I am demonstrative by nature. I love to worship the Lord. I love to sing. I love to clap my hands. I, I, I enjoy all of those things. But I am thankful that even though I am emotional by nature, I'm thankful that I I am not just addicted to that aspect of living for God. Amen. I'm I'm thankful for a Pentecostal experience where we could unashamedly lift our hands and our voices and worship the Lord, but I'm going to tell you what I'm searching for here this evening is not, uh, it's not the beat of the drum or the thump of the bass, that's not what I'm reaching for in my heart, what I'm reaching for is the peace of God that can touch us and strengthen us and establish our steps, although tests and trials will come, I believe that God still wants us to be able to experience peace and rest in Him. When Jesus died, uh, Matthew Henry, a commentary, a, a, great, a, a very well-known commentary, uh, Matthew Henry said, when Jesus died, he left a will. He said he gave his body to Joseph. He gave his clothes to the soldier. He gave his mother to John. But to his disciples, he gave the greatest gift of all. And that was he left them his peace. Amen. He gave that gift to all of us. His peace. A true Christian will manifest peace in their relationship with God and I believe that they will manifest that peace in their relationship with themselves and in their relationship with other people around them. And so I think a a litmus test of the Holy Ghost is how we dwell together, not just with ourselves, but the relationship we have with God and the relationship we have with those around us. When we study the the 22nd and the 23rd verses of Galatians 5 we find an interesting definition of the word peace. This word peace comes from a Greek word that that means quietness or rest. Or if I could take it one step further, it means to set at one again, to set at one again. And so the word peace literally means that we will take that which was broken and we will put it together again, to set at one again. When Adam and Eve sinned, our right relationship with God was broken. Our right relationship with our inner man was broken. And our right relationship with others were broken. And so we need God to put all of this back together. And I can tell you this evening that when we as a nation have made concerted efforts to extract God from every possible fabric of society that man can think of, we are now reaping the harvest of that lack of peace that is so evident everywhere we go, and it seems to be even prevailing. Through the Spirit, uh, the, through the Spirit being manifested in our lives, relationships can be put at one again, or put back together again. In, in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he gives a a beautiful illustration about the Prince of Peace at work in our lives. In Ephesians 2:14, the Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might Reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So before we can ever really attain true peace in any other area of our life, we must first be at peace with God. If we're not at peace with God, we can't expect any other portion of our life to be at peace. I must have my relationship with God in right perspective. Amen. And so that takes some maintenance. You, we we can't just come to church on Wednesday and, and think that everything will just automatically fall in place. It's a concerted effort of doing the right thing. Uh, you, you know, I, I know that the last several weeks we have, as a church, have been on a fast, and so no matter what fast you were a part of, even if you were just uh, having an an abstinence fast just a few days a week or whatever it may have been, I think we would agree, we talk about this almost every year at least, maybe not openly, but we uh, some of us talk about it collectively uh, in in individual groups, I guess, about how much better you feel. Kind of leaving off the sugar and leaving off the, the caffeine. And, and, and yeah, <laughs> and not even think about the money that you save, and uh, and just the, and so we just think about how much how just paying a little bit of attention to the natural man, just how much better you feel, and so it is with the spirit man that when we make a concerted effort of prayer and fasting and the reading of the word of God, these are not just things that become ritualistic to us, but they're really things that pour something into the heart of of mankind. It's the Word of God that is hidden in our heart and in our lives. I, I, I will confess tonight, by no means am I proud to say this, but I have always struggled with memorizing Scripture. I'm not proud of that by any means at all. And, uh... But I think about when the, I'm reading the Word of God, I want to commit that. And part of my prayer is, Lord, I want you to help me commit this to memory. Help me to commit it to my mind and my heart. And so even though I would admit that I struggle in being able to quote scriptures like maybe Brother Stacy Thomas or Brother Mike Williams or some of the others among us that just seem to have such a handle on that, I do know this, that there have been many, many times in my life that God has quickened His word to my heart. A passage of scripture that I had not considered perhaps in a long, long time when I needed it the most that God would just quicken that to my mind and my heart. And so I think about during those seasons of time what David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. That word was really there all along. It was there. And so I want to I want to ingest that Word of God. I want to be in right relationship with Him because that's what it's going to take to have peace. And so He desires for us to have peace. Psalms 29 11, the Bible says, The Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, that's what the Lord said, and not of evil to give you an expected end. In Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5 and 11, whereof as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. With that initial sin, Adam and Eve broke that relationship of peace that man had with God. Think about that. With one thing, there was that sin that separated, and sin still separates you and I today. And so from that point until now, man has sought various ways to renew and restore, reestablish that relationship of peace. Jeremiah said, We look for peace, but no good came. God established a pattern for bringing peace back into the lives of His people. He shed the blood of innocent animals in Genesis to obtain skins, to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. That symbolized a covering for sin. And from that point forward, animal sacrifices became required to keep man in right relationship. And so all throughout the Old Testament and the law of Moses, there was... There were those sacrifices that were made just to simply put back at one the relationship between God and man, specifically a sacrifice of atonement. The Scripture talks about a spotless lamb being offered to the Lord on an annual basis. The word atonement can actually be broken down to three parts in its spelling and in its meaning. Atonement could literally be said at one meant. At one meant. Amen. From this, we see that what God was trying to do through this sacrificial lamb, it wasn't about antics, it wasn't about just taking something from a family to sacrifice, but it was about bringing God and man back together again at one. Amen. So we see through the manifesting of the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit or the peace of the fruit of the Spirit, we are brought back to one with God. John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen, peace. We have to be at peace with God, but we also need to be at peace with ourselves. One great struggle that we see played out on the forefront of life every day is the huge struggle being faced by individuals to have peace of mind. In searching, in searching for peace of mind, it's important for us to understand what this kind of peace is not rather than what it is. And so when we think about peace, peace is not the lack of hostility. Peace is not the lack of opposition. True biblical peace is an understanding that is much deeper, a much deeper life than a life that has no conflict or a life that has no uh ohs. Real peace is a peace that is there in our heart regardless of the conflict regardless of what we're walking through, the Spirit of God that keeps His hand upon our lives. It's not the absence of trouble, the absence of peril. It's not the absence of activity. All too often we use the the phrase, you know, I just need some peace and quiet. (laughs) I get it. We refer to that as we just, when we say that, what we're trying to say is we just need to slow down. We just need to take a deep breath. We need to just pause a little bit. But you see, slowing down is not the same thing that is having peace because you can be absolutely still in a dark room and still not have peace. You can be all alone in a five-acre field and still not have peace. Real peace is peace regardless of how much activity or inactivity. And so real peace is not an escape from reality because, you see, that's what a lot of people have bought into because they want to try to escape from the real world to some virtual world. We can just go there and we won't have to think. We won't have to do anything. And so and so we find places like amusement parks and vacation spots. And, and the list there could go on and on and on. And it's filled with people that really in some way are just trying to find peace. Amen. But you see that can't be found there because that is not peace. Real peace is peace. Regardless of the location, regardless of where we are, we can be at peace with God. Regardless of our station in life. Paul said, whatever state I am in, I have found how that the Spirit of God can keep me and sustain me and hold me no matter where I am in life. Simon Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 3.10, For he that... That For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Simon Peters gives us a philosophy of life that is founded upon seeking peace. And so if we hope to love life and have good days, ultimately he says that we must be seekers of peace. We're going to have to search that out. Amen. And sometimes you have to look a little bit harder some days for the good stuff than the bad stuff because it seems like the bad stuff is always front and center. They're always the ones raising their hands. It's always the situations that are bidding and begging for our attention. And some days it takes a little more effort than it does at others. But it is not God's will for His people to live in inner turmoil. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about what happens in our life after we speak in tongues and we're baptized in His name. I'm talking about how to get something and pull that into our heart that can help us and sustain us. Second Timothy 1 7, the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. It is not the will of God for us to be at our wit's end wanting to pull our hair out. That is not the will of God. It is not the will of God for us to be there. Fear has a way of destroying the peace of the mind that God, the peace of mind that God intends for us to possess. Many times we lose that inner peace, that inner peace. Because we are tormented by the fear of what may happen. I've ruined a lot of tomorrow. I've ruined a lot of today's. Ruined a lot of my today's. Worried about my tomorrow's. A lot of them. Romans 14 and 7, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But he said, Here's what it is. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God is our provider of things, both temporary and spiritual. So Paul is telling us that the kingdom does not always exist in just those external blessings that the Lord brings in our life. And we're all thankful for those, and we all count it a great joy to have them. But the kingdom of God exists in the inner man, in the inner man where there is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. When Jesus stepped to the bow of the ship in the the fourth chapter, toward the end of the fourth chapter of the book of St. Mark, when he stepped to the bow of that boat that was in a tumultuous storm, even taken on water. This is what Jesus said. Peace. Be still. Be still. God can speak to us in the midst of our storms. He was letting the disciples know they, they were left scratching their head. They were left somewhat perplexed. They said to one another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Now no one perhaps... Outside of these men knew Jesus Christ more intimately or personally perhaps than his mother or father. Than these men who are perplexing their spirit by saying, what kind of man is this? Who is this man? But I think what Jesus was trying to show them is that if I can do this to the literal storms of life, then I can speak to the storms of your heart, to your mind and your spirit. I can do the same. I can do that with a troubled mind. It's a gentle yet just strong Lord that would step to the turmoil and step to the stresses of an individual at war with himself and just say, peace, be still. It's going to be okay that doesn't mean the wind will immediately subside, it doesn't mean that the waves will calm in just one instant or moment of time but God says I can sustain you through the storm, I was reading just a few days ago again about the journey of Paul and the men that were on that ship that was was going to be in a storm, we're headed for a storm, God's not going to take this away, but he's going to sustain our life, that's what the apostle Paul said, said, stay with the ship an angel has stood by me this night it doesn't mean that we're not going to be bruised it doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to have telltale signs that we've been in the storm but he said not one soul will be lost amen and so philippians 4 7 the peace of god that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and here it is and your minds through christ jesus There is a peace that comes from God that is beyond human reasoning, beyond our ability to comprehend. This verse also tells us that the peace that God gives will keep our heart and our minds through Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. So we have that peace with ourselves. Additionally, we have peace with others. Have you ever noticed that, that from time to time we have personality conflicts? We're just one person, one individual among billions of people in the world. You're one member of this church, one person. Made up, a church that is made up of so many, many different personalities, so many different backgrounds, so many different ways of life, so many different trains of thought. It would be impossible for there not to be some conflict From time to time. We can't even the most intimate relationship of a companion. You can't even have that relationship without conflict from time to time. Because we are merging two worlds. Two worlds together. Amen. You're one person. It would stand to reason that at some point there is going to be some disagreement. At some point there's going to be people that don't see eye to eye. But you see, having a disagreement doesn't necessarily mean that we have to lose the peace of our relationship. We can agree or disagree without being disagreeable. Amen? Amen? And we have to learn how to mature and do that and move forward for the sake of the body of Christ. And so we want to have peace in our relationships. You know, if you just call everybody out of your life that you disagree with, one day you'll call yourself out of your life. Because there's days we don't even agree with our own our own selves. And so if we just keep scaling down until we we get every little bit of anxiety or angst out of our lives, we're going to live a lonely, lonely life. I'm going to make a statement and I, I don't want you to, I'm not aiming at anyone or anything, but I've just made an analogy through the years. I have watched people that spent an entire lifetime chasing people away from them. And then they wonder why they're alone. I'm being very, very serious. I, I, I know that this sounds a little humorous, but I'm being very serious. I've watched people that they just couldn't get along with anybody. And they finally got it all scaled down where they're the top man on the pile. And then life closes in. And they're alone. They have no one. No one. I don't want to live that way. I, I want to have I want to have those relationships with other people. I need that. We all need that. Amen. Scripture is very plain in its teaching concerning being at peace with others. The Bible says in Romans 14 and 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Let us reach after the things that make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. We need to work at this. We need, it, this is an investment worth making. Amen. Follow after the things. Which make for peace. Anyone can argue. Anybody can throw down. Anyone can criticize. Anybody can disagree. But it takes somebody strong and mature to say, you know what? I just, I want peace. I want peace. You know what? I've told husbands before and what I've told wives before. I said, you can either be right or you can be happy. And the choice is yours. And there are some people that would rather be right. Sadly. But we can be right or we can be happy. I want to follow after peace. Amen. <laughs> That's the truth. We are commanded to follow after peace. We're commanded to pursue it with everything that we have. Things that bring peace to the body. Anybody can sow discord. But it, it really takes an effort sometimes to make sure that, we are, that we're not interrupting the continuity of that we want to make sure that there is some a common thread, that, that cord that binds us and pulls us together. In his closing remarks to the to the church at Corinth, Paul states that they should live in peace. Now, this is kind of a closing sermon that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he says in chapter 13 and verse 11 of 2 Corinthians, he said, "Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be a good comfort." Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now this is some tall marching orders on his way out the door. (laughs) Tall marching orders. Brethren, farewell, he said. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. And so as long as God tarries His coming, And we dwell together on earth, we're going to be surrounded by people. And so, as children of God, it is imperative that we live in peaceful relationships with one another. Ephesians 4 and 3, the Bible uses this word: endeavoring to keep the peace, or endeavoring rather, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, endeavoring to work at it. To try it again. Well, it failed, but let's try it again. It didn't work last time. Well, let's try it one more time. We want to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. I was with uh, Brother Varnum yesterday, and he he told a a story that his father used to tell. I'd heard this from many different sources, I suppose. But he was talking about uh, that you can have unity and not necessarily have harmony. And he said, you can take two cats and tie them together and drape them over a clothesline. They will be unified, but there will be no harmony. And so we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. According to this reference, you really cannot preach unity if you don't preach the bond of peace. There needs to be these two in conjunction. They need to go hand in hand, hand in glove. And so by the bond of peace, we are to understand that that a peace or a union where the interests of all parties are, are concentrated and sealed and the Spirit of God is that seal. We want the bond of peace we don't want to just shake hands and, 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 and just kind of some superficial way but we want the spirit of the Lord to bond this thing together to seal this thing together Colossians 3 and 15 the Bible says and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful the scripture says the peace of God is to rule or that, another word for that is the peace of God is to have dominion in our lives and not anxiety to have dominion, but peace is to have dominion in our hearts, in our lives. And so we're striving to be righteous people. And I'll tell you that this is a lifelong process that we will never accomplish without the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. James says that we are are going to manifest, we're going to manifest righteousness in our lives. It's going to be a byproduct. I remember, uh, I remember several years ago at one of our men's conferences as as uh, Brother Clapper began to preach the message about exercising ourselves unto righteousness, you, you exercise, you, you reach for that. This is not something that sort of randomly falls from the sky and in our lap. James says if we're going we're to if we're gonna do that, uh, manifest that righteousness in our lives, he said that's going to come to you by becoming a peacemaker, a peacemaker. You know, I think sometimes we take for granted the spirit of peace that abides in our heart through the Holy Ghost. Because there have been people, and I'm just testifying myself, but I am testifying uh, something that you could testify of tonight, that want you to be in their life because you bring peace into their heart and into their life. They want you around. They want you near because the spirit of peace that is in you can bring comfort and solitude to situations in their lives. Amen so this means allowing the seed of righteousness to be sown in peace. Hebrews 12 it says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men. Without peace and without holiness we're not going to see God. Amen we need that peace in our heart that holds us. Without peace and holiness others will not see God in us. Amen. Let me say that again. Without peace and holiness we can't see God. But without peace and holiness Others can't see God in us. We don't need to proclaim to have the greatest power in all the world, the creative power of God living in us. And we have no peace. Amen. If our musicians would come. There was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two that he really liked. And now he's left with this difficult decision because he has to pick one of the two. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for a peaceful towering mountains all around it. Overhead, the blue sky, fluffy white clouds. So all who saw this picture thought this would be the perfect picture to symbolize peace. The other picture had mountains as well. But these mountains were rugged and these mountains were bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and lightning danced. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. And so if we looked at these two pictures together side by side, this certainly did not indicate peace at all. But when the king looked closely, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. And in the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. And there in the midst of that rushing, angry water sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. And this was the picture that won the prize. Because peace doesn't mean that we're in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, no upset. Peace means that in the midst of all the things that are going on, there's a calm in our heart. Peace. Real peace. Not superficial peace. Not hope-so peace. Not peace that we only feel when we're together with everybody else and we're just enjoying the overflow of somebody else's prayer life or the overflow of someone else's worship or the overflow of someone else's consecration. But that peace that we have, that we have pulled down with our own efforts and the hand of God upon our lives, peace, wonderful peace that touches us and changes us. Amen. Real peace, real peace. Not peace that gets us just through a day or a season or a time. But peace that sustains us in the midst of the storm. Let's stand. Can we do that? Praise God. Amen. Where where you are this evening, would you just allow the Spirit of the Lord to touch us? Can we do this before we leave? Can we allow the Spirit of peace to touch us? Amen. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just read about it I don't want to just provoke our thoughts about it but I want us to experience that peace I have no idea this evening what you may be going home to and I guess in the truest sense of the word none of us know what we may be going home to it may well be that the complexion of our lives will not have changed at all And that whatever we left, when we drove away from our home to come to this house of worship, we're going to walk right back into, step right back into. But do you know what I know? Not what I hope or what I think. What I know is that we can take the peace of the Spirit of God with us. And so no matter what those circumstances may be, God can keep us in perfect peace. I want my mind stayed on Him. How about you? Amen. Would you lift your hands and your voice together? And could we just magnify the Lord? Could we just worship Him for just a moment of time?
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.